Pack your lunch in a brown paper sack. It's time to go field tripping. Got a good reason. Welcome back to The Field Tripper. I'm your host, Amanda Ader, upper school science teacher at All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler. I'm excited to continue our journey as I introduce you to all the cool sites you can visit around East Texas if you have an afternoon, a day, or a weekend. In our last episode, I took you to the town of Kilgore to explore the rich history of East Texas during the oil boom. If you haven't listened to that yet, I do encourage you to go check it out. Today, we're continuing our exploration of our area during the 1930s with a visit to two schools that played a crucial role in their communities, my education, and even in the world. When Dad Joyner struck oil at the Daisy Bradford No. 3, as we learned at the East Texas Oil Museum last week, oil field workers flocked to the area looking for work amidst the Great Depression that plagued the rest of the nation. Families moved into the area faster than home and school builders could keep up, so many lived in tent cities for a while. For our first stop, drive east out of Tyler on Highway 64, past the town of Joynerville. I'll let you guess who the town was named for. <laughs> Just past the site of the Daisy Bradford No. 3 on the left side of the highway stands the site of Gaston School. Although the campus is no longer a school, it was in use still until the early 2000s. This is the site where I attended kindergarten through third grade and then came back for junior high. Take pictures, y'all. When I'm a famous celebrity podcaster, you're going to want these memories. All right, I'm just kidding. My mom taught junior high life science for a while on the second floor of the main building, and I distinctly remember the ironwork and the staircase beautifully twisted into scrolling designs. I also remember the huge banner in the hallway with stars sewn onto it representing alumni that served in World War II and the iron ore rock walls that were everywhere. I used to play on the playground out front, running and jumping balance beam style along the rock wall that was built in the 1930s by the Works Progress Administration. Gaston School was built in 1932 to educate the children of all the families that flocked to the area following the discovery of oil. It was a merger of two smaller districts into one large rural district. The enrollment during this time jumped from just 85 students to over 1,600, and the prosperity that resulted from the oil flowing underneath allowed for the construction of a big new community school. The campus still includes a two-story brick junior high high school building, a gymnasium that we used to refer to as the barn, elementary buildings, a cafeteria, and an auditorium. Head over to my website to see photos of the beautiful architecture. Friday, January 28, 1955, the Gaston High School Band hosted a fundraiser featuring a very notable performer, the up-and-coming young Elvis Presley. For the student price of 50 cents and a dollar for adults, audience members could enjoy the future king of rock and roll dance and sing in the Gaston School Auditorium. I must admit, telling folks that I performed on the same stage as Elvis Presley is probably the closest I'll get to a celebrity connection, and I was there over 40 years later. In the 1960s, with the oil boom waning, the Gaston District was merged with the London School District, which we'll talk about in just a moment, and it created West Russ County Consolidated ISD, which is what my diploma reads. 
The campus was still used as West Rusk's elementary school and junior high for years, but with the district shrinking, it was sold to a religious group and is not open for tours anymore. However, not far from the school site is the Gaston Museum. The museum not only contains memorabilia from the school, including the banner of stars that I remember from the hallway, but also a look at life in the 1930s old boom days. After touring the main building, make sure you peek in the example tent home and the cafe that served hamburgers to Gaston students for decades. The Gaston Museum is open Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Although you can't tour the school itself, there is a historical marker out front beside the rock wall built by the Civilian Conservation Corps that offers a good view of what was once the largest rural school district in the world. See if you can find the rock that's shaped like a heart. Now let's go back towards Tyler on Highway 64, but when you get back to Joynerville, take a right on Highway 42. A few miles down past the four-way, and yes, there's only one intersection in this town, the road splits around a strange-looking granite structure. To your right, it's another large 1930s-era school similar to Gaston. To the left, the London Museum and Tea Room. This is our next destination. Welcome to New London, Texas. The New London School District shared a similar beginning with Gaston, a booming oil economy with many children and plenty of money. If Gaston was the largest district in the world, London was the richest. There are still several active oil wells around the campus, one by where I used to park, another behind the elementary gym where I used to play. Above the football field is a quiet, unassuming sign that simply reads, Home of the Original Friday Night Lights. The field is the site of the first lighted football field in the world a luxury that we take for granted today, but deemed lavish and unnecessary in the economy of the 1930s. Down the hill, the elementary where I attended third through sixth grade is still standing, built in 1932. I remember the creak of the wooden floors and the teachers opening the giant windows to get a breeze going through the windows. If this makes me sound ancient, I promise you I'm not. I graduated in 2002, and the campus didn't get central air and heat until after I left. In the summer, the teachers would try to talk over the window units, but in the winter, this loud metallic clang and a wet sizzle would alert us that the warm steam was making its way to our radiators. In the junior-senior high school building that was constructed at the beginning of the oil boom, natural gas radiators warmed the classrooms. At that time, natural gas was considered a wasted byproduct of oil production and was routed to the school for its free use. It was not refined, and it didn't have any kind of odor. March 18th, 1937, some of the waste gas had leaked into the school basement and collected. School was about to be released for a long holiday weekend when a shop teacher plugged in a sander that his students had nicknamed Old Sparky, and the gas ignited. The shockwave from the blast could be felt for miles around. When the dust cleared, the junior-senior high school building lay in rubble, with students and teachers trapped inside. It's estimated that almost 300 died in the school explosion, making it the largest natural school disaster in history. Now, I say estimated. We're actually still not positive exactly how many victims, as many of the families were from other places around the country. After the tragedy, they picked up their children and left that horrible place, and we're not sure exactly what condition they left in. Regardless, the casualties would have been a lot worse if it weren't for the oil field workers that rushed onto the scene and immediately began rescue and recovery. The large oil-filled machinery moved concrete and still, reaching many injured students in time to rush them to area hospitals, including Mother Francis and Tyler. 
Mother Frances was scheduled to have a grand opening celebration the next day, but it had to open early to save the lives of children. The entire site was clear of rubble by the very next day, which was an amazing feat. The community worked to rebuild and move on, and the high school building that I attended was opened in 1938, on the very same site as the previous school. For many years, the surviving students and parents of the victims thought that the best way to move on was to push down the pain and never discuss the tragedy. It wasn't until about the 50th anniversary that survivors began to talk about their experience and form a reunion, which still occurs every two years. I grew up making paper flowers for the cross that they set by the memorial each year, the giant granite structure that splits Highway 42 that we saw driving in. I watched the formation of a museum in the late 90s. Today, the Tasteful Museum remembers the victims of the New London school explosion and the community's efforts to recover from their loss. While visiting the museum, I suggest having lunch or a snack in the tea room. Although their sandwiches and other offerings are tasty, you at minimum need to enjoy the old-fashioned soda fountain. When I take school groups to the museum, after the tour, they all crowd around and watch the volunteers squirt soda syrup into frosty mugs and then mix the syrup with carbonated water. Some even request giant chocolate malts and a, or the daily slice of pie. The museum is open Monday through Friday year-round from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., March through August, it's also open on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Admission is $5 for adults and $3 for children. Because of the horror of the tragedy, the New London school explosion has been largely forgotten by the rest of the world, that the students and staff of West Rusk and of the New London Museum are working to change that. In addition to the memorial services and monuments, you can notice a nod to our heritage in the little places, like the gold 37 hash marker on the first lit football field in the world. The athletic department just started a new tradition of choosing one athlete each week to wear the jersey number 37 as a tribute to the students who lost their lives that year. It's always understood by the students that where they walk is hallowed ground, and they're expected to show their respect to their school and the community. I encourage you to go visit and discover our story and recognize it as part of your East Texas story, too. Thank you for joining me on the second part of a two-part episode on the East Texas oil field. I hope you've enjoyed our travels through time and space and discovered how this area that you live in has had worldwide significance. The London Museum and Tea Room did not sponsor this podcast. In fact, no one did, although I have received several cherry cokes from their fountain through the years. The Field Tripper podcast is a passion project of mine, and I hope that more of you will get out and explore your world with your students. That's worth all the sponsorships in the world. Thank you all for listening to The Field Tripper. I hope you've enjoyed learning something new and you plan to explore soon. Feel free to visit my website linked in the show notes for additional info and photos and email me with feedback or ideas at aadare at all-saints.org. Build Tripper is a production of All Saints Episcopal School, hosted by Amanda Adair, music credit of Caleb Ott. Until next time, keep exploring.